Well, now, now that Alaire's preached and I've preached, I'm going to preach again. Father, thank you that we can be together. Lord, I pray that you would bless this word. I pray, God, that you would inspire us today by your scriptures and by the story of what you've done through history, that you, Lord, would cause us to hear together from your scriptures and apply that in life. Amen. Well, every year, my family watches It's a Wonderful Life. How many of you recognize this guy right there? Come on. How many of you watch It's a Wonderful Life every Christmas? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The rest of you, I'm telling you, it's awesome. You have a new tradition because it's amazing. It's so good. And I love it. I just love it. And I was thinking about, um, about this as I was getting ready to preach to you today. And we're going to preach about Nehemiah. We're going to refer to Malachi a little bit. And uh, for those of you that are new or fresh or here again but don't remember what was happening since you were last here, we're going through the story. We're going through the story of what God has done with his people from Genesis to Revelation. If you're here for the first time and you don't have one, I've got a book I'm going to give to you, the story, so you can follow along. We're in week 21. And in Israel, Jerusalem has been destroyed. God is then rebuilding it through his promises. He's come through um, King Cyrus. They've rebuilt the temple, but Jerusalem has no wall around it yet. There's no wall around it. So you have a city without walls. And how many of you know that in a, that in a situation of those days where people showed up on horses and with, uh, with, with, with bows and arrows and swords, if you had a city without a wall, it was not a good idea. That was not a good idea. People could come and go as they please. You did not have a physical way to protect yourself and grow and thrive. So having a city without a wall was what your your sitting duck is what you were. Really what you were, you were just just a really good opportunity waiting to happen to someone else. And so this this is the current situation. And God speaks to Nehemiah. He speaks to his people and he says, I want you to rebuild this wall. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. But as I was preparing... And you're, and you're going to see why this connects together. But I was preparing. I was seeing about how they built this wall. And we're going to get into it. And how every person's part was really, really important. And it started to remind me of this story. So we're going to start with that. We're going to start with something my family does every year. And we're just going to watch a little clip here. Are you, for those of you that aren't familiar, I probably better set this movie up for you. This, uh, this gentleman here, he is uh, a, a passionate, ambitious Good-looking, smart man. He reminds me of somebody I see every morning in the mirror. And, um, and he wanted to be wealthy. He wanted to be influential. He wanted to build cities and bridges and buildings and make his place in the earth. He's, he wanted to do great things. How many of us want to do great things? Come on, it's okay. Yeah, you do. He wanted to do great things and make a name for himself. But, but through life, little by little by little, every one of his big plans, his big dream, dreams of grandeur kept getting interrupted by life circumstances. How many of you have had that happen? Right? I was supposed to be a rock star, and here I am. Here I am. Yes, I own four sweaters now. I am almost completely a sensitive sweater-wearing pastor now instead of a rock star. The transformation is almost complete. So life doesn't go the way that you think it's going to happen. And he's lamenting that. He's like, this is stupid. My whole life stinks. It's nothing like I wanted. Everybody else gets to go after their dreams. Everybody else gets to be huge and awesome. It would be better off if I never was born. That's what he says. It was better if I was just never born. And so this angel, Clarence, comes and says, hey, that's a great idea. We're going to give you an example of what would have happened if you were never born, if you were never there to build what you built. 
If you were never there to stand where you stood, if you were never there to help where you helped, if you were never there to be in that position and do what you've done through life, what would life look like? And here's a little clip as, he is, as he's discovering that. Help me. Something terrible's happened to me. I, I, I don't know what it is. Something's happened to everybody. Please let me come in and, and keep me here until I get over it. Get over what? I don't take in strangers unless they're sent here by somebody I know. What? Well, I know everybody you know. What, you, your brother-in-law, Uncle Billy. You know him? Well, sure I do. When did you see him last? Today, over at his house. It's a lie. He's been in the insane asylum ever since he lost his business. And if you ask me, that's where you belong. life touches so many other lives. And when he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? I've heard of things like this. You've got me in some kind of a spell or something. Well, I'm going to get out of it. I'll get out of it. But I know how, too. I... Now, the last man I talked to before all this stuff started happening to me was Martini. You know where he lives? Well, sure I know where he lives. He lives in Bailey Park. Are you sure this is Bailey Park? No, I'm not sure of anything anymore. All I know is this should be Bailey Park. But where are the houses? You went here to build them. Your brother, Harry Bailey, broke through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine. That's a lie. Harry Bailey went to war. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. see, George, you really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Clarence. Yes, George? You really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what it would have been a mistake it would have been to throw it away? Did you, did you catch the part where he says, no, 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 Harry saved every man on that transport. And he says, no, every man on the transport died because you weren't there to save Harry. And Harry wasn't there to save everyone on that transport. And I think that this is, this is what I want you to be thinking about now as we read, as Nehemiah is heading into Jerusalem to build. We're going to see if, if uh, technology works with me here as I now take a moment. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It's a sign and a wonder. Hallelujah. Yes. I feel like I could go home right now. This is the first time that me and the Mac Pro have worked perfectly together. Can we just have a Selah moment? And just thank you, Jesus. Somebody tell Jason that this happened. By the way, tell him. See, we all at times can forget that our life has the impact that it does. Either in leaving our section of the wall unbuilt and allowing the enemy in, or in being courageous and consistent and fortifying our cities in blessing. Every one of us has these moments, just like this man, where we, we lament the place in life that we're in, 
where we look at our, what, we, what we see as the net result of our life and we think, is it really worth it? Am I really doing anything that truly matters? Am I really engaging with the kingdom? Am I, am I expanding things? And we can become very, very discouraged. And, and sometimes it's good, it is good to stop and assess and say, have I left my part of building in this city? Am I letting the enemy in? Have I forgotten what I'm all about? Because that might be true. And you might need to get back to your place on the wall. You might need to get back to your section. It may be time for you to remember where you came from and get back to that place. But sometimes, and I think more often than not, you need to remember to stay in the place that you're already working and understand that if you're not there to save Harry, Harry's not there to save all the men on that transport. More often than not, what we, what we do is we judge ourselves by ourselves and we are not wise. It says in the scripture, Paul says, those men judge themselves by themselves and they are not wise. Our assessment will usually be either way too low or way too high. Either way, it doesn't work well. What we need to do is we need to allow the scriptures to come and to cut into the heart, cut into the, the ambitions, the motivations of our hearts and purify us and remind us, what am I doing? Where am I? Have I left my place? Is it time to return to that place? Or I need to take heart and I need to remember that I'm in the right place at the right time with the right people and the right God and nothing can stand against me. And heaven will tell the story of what I'm affecting right now. So let me jump in here. I want to read a couple scriptures to you. Nehemiah hears about the destruction of the walls around Jerusalem. God has been keeping his promises to restore Jerusalem, and so the temple has been rebuilt, but the walls are in ruins, and there's just a remnant of people in Jerusalem. Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king, he hears about the destruction. He talks to the king. God releases favor because God is good to keep his promises that he will rebuild Jerusalem. And remember, every time you see God keep a promise in the Bible to any of these men, Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, these are your spiritual fathers. Sarah, these are your spiritual mothers. And when he keeps that promise to them, he's keeping his promise to you. This is your history. Why? Because we belong to him this is his story, and his story has been written down for us. So this is our story, amen? amen? And so here's this promise, and they're going to restore the land. And so uh, Nehemiah is given favor by the king, and the king says, listen, I see that God has spoken of these things, and I want you to go do it. So he sends Nehemiah, and Nehemiah goes, and he surveys the damage that's been done to the walls of Jerusalem. It's very, very bad says the stones have been burned, the walls have been torn down, everything is laying in ruins. And Nehemiah, he surveys it all, and then he goes to the people and he said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. And he speaks to the people, he says, come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. So he comes with a, with a prophetic word from the Lord. He comes with the favor of God, and he shares the favor of God that's on his life, and then with that begins the good work. 
Come on, how many of you are relating that with right now? You've been given the good word of the Lord. You've been given a prophetic word, and you can share that good word and cause people to come step back into that good work. I love that story that Alaire shared, uh, going and simply telling this woman that had been forgotten by, the, by life. She's laying in ruins, and Alaire and our beautiful sister come to her and say, you're awesome. I just listened to a testimony of someone that was very similar, homeless woman on drugs, These kids came up. They were also doing a treasure hunt. They came to that homeless woman and said to her, you are so amazing. You are so amazing. God loves you, and he knows right where you are. And on the strength of that word, that was the turning point. She's now gotten her diploma. She's now gotten her uh, college, um, I mean, her bachelor's. She's graduated from college. And she is now going into becoming a social worker to work with homeless people. And it all started because somebody came with a prophetic word saying, here's the grace of God that's on my life. And I'm telling you that though these ruins lay in disgrace, God is saying, I'm going to rebuild them. Come, let's rebuild them. Let's start this good work. And you know what? God's word has the power in it to perform itself. When we grab a hold of it, life gets released. That's what's so beautiful about this. We're carrying that same thing right now. This is our story. So Nehemiah does the same thing. He brings that word. Are you guys with me? Okay. So then they begin to build. And this was really cool. As I'm reading the story, they begin to build. And as you read through Nehemiah, this happens. It says, (laughs) Eliashib, the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and they rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicate it, and they set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel, 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 Hanel, Han. And the men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to him, next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its, I don't know why I can't read today. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. And Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of uh, Hakaz, repaired the next section. And next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshabazel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Banna, also made repairs. And the next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. That's a sad part of the story, isn't it? Here's all these dudes that got it done. Here's the people that heard it and started building, and next to him, this other guy, next to him, this other guy, next to him, these guys that didn't do anything, and it continues. Next to him, though, the repairs were made by the Levites under Rehum, son of Bani, and beside him, Hashabiah, ruler of half the district of Kelia, carried out repairs for his district. And next to him, the repairs were made by their fellow Levites under Binui, son of Hanadad, ruler of the other half district of Kelia. And next to him, Ezer, son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section and from from a point facing the ascent to the armory as far as the angle of the wall. And next to him... Are you guys catching this? God, and it just goes on. It just goes... I just read you a little snippet. It just goes on. A whole chapter of next to him and next to him and next to that guy that next to him. And then this guy, he didn't do anything. They didn't put their shoulders to the work. How would you like to be the one in the Bible that's mentioned? Like, you know, you're like, I say I'm too important for that sort of work. And the Lord's like, I'm writing that down. That would be a bummer. I mean, seriously, you guys are there, but it stinks, doesn't it? Every time we read it, you're like, oh, thank you for grace. That was, thank you for this section, right? Because that's funny, right? Isn't that funny? 
We're having, I feel a connection right here next to me and next to him. Some of them were laughing. Ha <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little guilt with the fun. I need to stop. Okay. So here's this beautiful picture, and it, it began to occur to me that we're reading the scriptures. We're reading the, the scriptures that are written about the history of God with man, and God takes the time to write down everybody's name that built a wall around Jerusalem at a certain time. Are you catching this? Now, the thing you need to realize is that as history goes on, there's a sad section where all this wall gets torn down again. After Jesus leaves later, Jerusalem gets destroyed again. But we're reading a part of scripture that's held that during this time when this people were called by this God for this history in eternity, these people's names are listed because they built the wall in their time. And they didn't just build the wall by themselves. They didn't build a little tower and say, this is my tower, it's just me and Jesus. No, 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 no. Their names are next to the names of all the other faithful in that generation. And those generations came together. There was, inner, there was a building, there was the young, there was the old, they're side by side, and they're building the wall. Why? Because they heard the word of the Lord for a good work to rebuild a desolate city, and they built next to him, and next to him, and next to him, and next to him. Are you guys with me? You see, I love the fact that our God, I need to go back here, that our God lists our names next to our contribution. You see, we're serving a dad who has a trophy room with all the cool stuff that you ever did. He doesn't judge you for a generation that you weren't a part of. He doesn't call you to do things that are too great for you to do. He calls you to do impossible things because he's great enough to do them with you. And then he writes down your name and my name as we together rebuild the desolate ruins and keeps track of it for all time. I love this scripture. In Malachi, part of this story, several of the people have stopped giving to the Lord. They've stopped tithing, they've stopped bringing offerings, and the offerings that they do bring are like the garbage that's left over that they don't wanna eat. So instead of bringing like the best stuff, they're bringing like, oh, this, this lamb has got like a deformed leg and a tumor, let's just give that to the priests and, and they'll just sacrifice that up. That's what they were doing. They were giving their leftovers. And so God rebukes them, and at that time they repent, and it says this, and then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened, and he heard, and I love this, listen, a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. The Lord had a scroll of remembrance written in heaven over those who considered the things that were going on that were wicked and turned from them. And he wrote it down for us to read today. And it says, on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Here this is, God's still bragging on those people, those men and women today. He's bragging to us today about what those guys did then. 
They turned away from wickedness and said, as for me and my household, we will do what is right and just because we believe that dad is good. And therefore, if he says everything belongs to me and give me the 10th first, that's what we'll do. And they did. And God wrote it down and brags about them every time you open your Bible. They were faithful in their generation. And we have the same opportunity because this same God is still writing scrolls of remembrance about every good thing that we do. Isn't that gorgeous? Isn't it cool to think about that? How many of you remember making that really, really cool picture for your mom or your dad one time? You know, you painted it. It was like fourth grade. You put your heart and soul into it. Or not. But anyway, but you remember. And then you gave it to them. And they're like, oh, that's really cool. That's amazing. And then like four hours later, you came by and it was like in the garbage. And you're like, oh, man. Dang it. Like, I thought that was awesome. Now, on their defense... <laughs> You gave them one like every day. I mean, at what point can we draw the line? It's kind of like emotional blackmail. But on the other hand, your father in heaven has every single paper that you ever wrote. He's got every cool painting you ever painted. He says this. He said, if any one of you gives a glass of cold water to a prisoner or a widow or an orphan or someone who's sick or a minority immigrant, Okay, he talks about foreigners. They called them foreigners then. If you do that, just if you give a glass of water in my name, I'm telling you, you will by no means lose your reward because your Father in heaven cares about all of these. And you'll know whether or not you actually have a true faith in me based on how you treat these five groups of people. You'll know if you're really a Christian, if you love other Christians, and if you take care of the widows, the orphans, the people in prison, the foreigners, as the Bible says, the minorities in your, in, your, in your area, and the poor. How you treat these people, I will remember forever, the Lord says. The only time that God has ever come in and destroyed cities, it's because they didn't treat those five people well, those five people groups. It's the only time. So what's the good news? The good news is, he says, if you even give a glass of cold water, I will write it down. You guys are really quiet. So this is good news. I'm saying dad remembers every painting that you painted for him. He writes down all the good stuff that you do. So our contribution counts. Dad says our contribution counts. It's not just some dumb thing that only you're doing that, no one, that won't matter anyway, that nobody cares about. No, 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 no. Your contribution counts, and you're standing next to me and next to them and next to him and next to her and next to him and next to her. Are you with me? And together we're rebuilding. We're rebuilding the wall. So here they are. They're standing next to each other. You guys with me so far? Is this, a, is this a rough word or what happened? It got quiet. And you guys know I'm a selfish, selfish speaker who's always looking for feedback and I need to get over myself. So I repent right now. Okay. So here we go. The enemies show up. And they say, look. We don't like that you're rebuilding the wall. You guys have read the story, I hope. If not, I'll give you the book today and you can start reading. The enemies of God come. How many of you know that God has enemies? And because God has enemies, you have an enemy. How many of you know that your enemies are not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers in high places? The enemy does manipulate, trick, deceive others into following his agenda, but that doesn't make those people your enemy. It makes those people someone who's being deceived or manipulated by your enemy. Okay, but those people do come and affect us, and how we treat them, obviously, is very important that we do that 
in the spirit of how God calls us to do it. So Nehemiah is facing the same thing we face. The enemies of God are coming and they're saying, we don't want you rebuilding Jerusalem. And they keep trying to trick them. They keep trying to destroy them. They try to blackmail them. They try to malign them, do all kinds of things. And it says that as they were threatening that they're going to kill all the Jews. We're going to come in and tear down your wall and we're going to kill you. And this is the report that comes back. The Jews who lived near them came and they told us, Nehemiah speaking, 10 times over, wherever you turn, they're going to attack you. And therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places and I posted them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. And I looked things over And I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, I love this, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. And when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You fight. You build You don't worry about the news of what the enemy's doing. You don't worry about the news of what the plans of the devil are or those that are working with them. That doesn't matter. You get to your place of the wall. You get a sword in one hand. You get a trowel in the other hand. And you build and you fight for your family and for your home and for the person next to you. And you trust that the person next to you and the person next to them and the person next to them, just look around. We are the fellow builders of the kingdom of heaven on earth. And how do we do that? We do that by serving. We do that by restoring the ruined cities. Let me read you something from Isaiah 61. How are we doing on time? We're doing okay. Isaiah 61. Jesus comes and he says this. Listen to this. It's gorgeous. You can uh, turn there in your Bibles if you want. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Did you catch that? Those that are, that are heavy and mourning and in ashes are turning into beauty and trees of righteousness and a planting of the Lord. And he goes on, and so they shall rebuild the old ruins. Who? Those that were broken and desolate and brokenhearted and in captivity and poor and rejected in ashes. They will become a planting of the Lord. They will become uh, oaks of righteousness. And they will raise up the former desolations and shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. You see, what we're seeing happening in Jerusalem is the same ministry that God's been doing ever since Adam and Eve fell in the garden. All the stuff that got destroyed there and all the symptoms of what that destruction brought, God has been employing, employing. He has been anointing and calling us into the same ministry of reconciliation in every single sector of society because his kingdom touches every single human need. And it has not changed. He never changed the plan. And because Christ came and died and rose again, then we can be born again. And we are no longer part of the problem. We are actually part of the solution.
We are no longer greedy and selfish and apathetic and lethargic and easily scared. No, we are now more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We are a new creation. We have been anointed to preach the good news to the poor. We have been anointed to rebuild the desolated cities and the things that have been left desolate for ages and generations. We're here just like our brothers and sisters here in this story. And we face it the same way. You see, we have a spiritual example here. It's a historical. This actually, this happened. But we can learn from this story and we can say, what is it that caused this to work? Because let me just read, let me just read uh, two more scriptures here. Look at this. So as they did this, as they fought for their families, their sons, their daughters, their wives, and their homes, as they built that wall on behalf of the king of glory and on behalf of the health and prosperity and blessing and safety of their city, as they did that, and they were not afraid and they did what they could do and trusted that their neighbor was doing what they could do. And all together they did this. It says this, the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid. And they lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. So in 52, 52 days, they built a, a wall around the entire city of Jerusalem. In 52 days. How many of you have built a house? <laughs> yeah, right? How long is this going to take, sir? Oh, it'll probably take about 10 months. 18 months later. It's going to be 18 months. I don't care. No matter, come on. Am, am I speaking the truth? It is 18 months. If you get your house built in 18 months, praise Jesus, right? 52 days they built a wall around Jerusalem. Come on. I'm not poking fun at your contractor. I'm saying this was a miracle. They built it together because each person built their section and they held the sword when they needed to hold the sword and they held the, 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 the brick tools. Yeah, there you go. That's how I do. They held whatever tool they needed and they built. And the person next to them and the person next to them and the person next to them and the person next to them. This is the word of the Lord for us. Can we go ahead and start passing out the elements for communion? I want us to take communion as we wrap this up today. You see, the word of the Lord for us is that we are just like George Bailey. Our life is connected to all the other believers in this generation. We're just like Nehemiah. Our obedience makes or breaks the building of the wall. So for the rebuilding of cities. We're just like Christ in that he said, I am the first among many. When he was here, he said, I am the light of the world. When he left, he turned to us and he said, you are the light of the world. He said, greater things than I do, you will do because I'm in you. We didn't become Jesus, obviously, but we are the representation of Christ on earth and we're doing the ministry that he gave us. So as far as the earth is concerned, I'll tell you one thing, that young lady that Alaire talked with, she met Jesus that day because Alaire and her sister brought Jesus to her and began to restore something that was lost, began to give beauty where there was ashes, began to rebuild where things had been laying in desolation for ages. Are you guys with me? 
And so we together now, we have to understand that our life, our place has to be manned by us. I don't want any of us to be, and I think it's so fitting too that it was the nobles who didn't put their hand to the work. I don't want that to be written about me. Oh yes, Josh was much too civilized to get involved with something so narrow and silly as regular church attendance and serving in meaningful ways. That's, that's ridiculous. I'm much more evolved than that. No, but, but it's funny, but it's not, is it? I want for each of us, I want for each of us to understand that God is calling us, every part of us, every part of our life, because every part of your life counts. How many of you know that if you love your children and you want to do the greatest thing that you can for them, fathers, love their mother. Show your daughters what it looks like when a husband loves his wife. You want to make sure that your daughter marries an amazing young man, an amazing husband? Be an amazing husband. That's your part of the wall. Don't open up cracks in the wall for, for alcoholism or lethargy or laziness or short-tempered greed, selfishness. Don't open up cracks in the wall where those things can sweep in. No, fight for your families. Fight for your sons and your daughters, and your homes. Don't open up a place, don't open up a crack in the wall where your kids grow up where, where attending church and worshiping and being generous unto the kingdom is something that you occasionally do, where, where poverty can sneak in and steal from you personally and from the, the, the momentum of the kingdom of heaven going forward on the earth. Don't be the place in the wall where that comes because you left your section. Fight, fight for your families and your sons and your daughters and build. Because I'll tell you, we will not look back after this and think, I'm so glad that I made a car payment on my second car and had two new cars and didn't tithe. Father, I'm glad I made that decision. I loved that car. How many of you saw Schindler's List? How many of you saw that movie, Schindler's List? He was redeeming the Jews during the Holocaust and he hired them in his factory and he did everything that he could to lie to, at that point, the Nazi state and protect them. And at the end, and he saved hundreds and, the, and he's a revered man for what he did, but at the end there's this powerful scene and, and he's broken because, because thank God Hitler fell and the Nazis have been defeated and, he, and, he's, and they're thanking him. They're actually coming out and they're paying homage to, to uh, Schindler and they're saying, thank you, you're a saint, you're a saint, thank you, thank you. And, and he, he begins to weep and he's broken and he, he looks at his pinky ring and he takes it off and he goes, six more. This, this would have been six more Jews. And then he looks down at his little Nazi pin, which is gold, and he goes, three more. This, this would have been three more lives. And he's broken because he realizes that everything that he worked for in that time that seemed like it was valuable, as soon as the veil was lifted, he began to realize, I didn't redeem life with the things that I had that were less valuable. I chose what was less valuable because it was expedient in that time. He left that section of the wall. Praise God for what he did right. Praise God for what we're doing right. But may we leave no part of the wall unmanned, unprotected, and unbuilt. Stand with me. Let's take communion. Jesus Christ came, 
And he, he quoted Isaiah 61. He quoted, he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the captives. We were those captives. And Spencer, if you don't mind, I forgot to bring some up here. We were those captives. And he said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I didn't come to take. I came to give. I didn't come to demand from others. I came to give what I have. And he said, this is my body. This is my very life. This is my rights. This is everything that I am. And it is broken for you. This is the example of the great builder of desolations. This is the example of the Savior who comes and he, get, he looks at ashes and he says, here's what I'm going to give. This is the ministry that I'm going to lead you with. Take my body, which is broken. Do this in remembrance of what I've done and the reality of what it cost to redeem cities. I lay down my whole life. Go and do likewise. This is the body. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant that I'm going to write my laws on your heart. This is the cup of the new covenant that there will be no distance between you and the Father. Through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, sin will be completely forgiven and you can become born again. Then come join me in my ministry. Let's take the cup together. And I want you to just take your hand and put it on your heart. And I'm going to pray a prayer on our behalf, okay? And if, and, if it, and if that prayer resonates with you at the end of it, just simply say amen, okay? Father, we come to you right now. We come to you right now humbled by what you were willing to do to redeem us. We have a hard time even imagining what that would be like to come and die on behalf of people who aren't even asking for your help yet. To come and serve people that don't even appreciate what you've done. To come and die thousands of years before we would even hear about you in the hope that we would hear about it and choose you and be born again. We're humbled by the blood that was poured out that you can heal sicknesses and forgive sins. Humbled that you didn't lower the standard but you fulfilled it and took every punishment that every one of us deserves. So there's no punishment left over and you can justly and fairly say, I accept you because I paid for every sin. So Lord, as we meditate on that, as we think about that, we're asking that you would simply help us to live from that reality, that every single one of us, every man, every woman, every child, that we would realize you're the God. You're the God that counts every tear that falls, every deed that's done in your name. You're the God that made us one, one family. You gave us your one spirit. You're the God that redeemed us. Lord, you're the God that rebuilds desolate cities. You heal families and individuals. You take individuals and put them in families. Lord, Teach us your ways. Show us the places where we've left the wall that we could go back to building. 
Show us the places where we've rationalized our time, our finances, our heart, our passions, our integrity. Show us the places where we still think our lives are our own. And let us together, as your family, rebuild the ruins. Let us fight. Let us fight temptation. Let us fight lethargy. Let us fight grief. Let us fight depression. Let us fight apathy. Let us fight relativism. Let us resist those things and they will flee. And then let us build. Let us build together, Jesus. Let us join you in your ministry in practical, meaningful, and consistent ways. We ask that you do all these things in us, Lord. We're willing. And we say yes. And if this church agrees, then let us say amen. Amen. The prayer servant team is going to come forward if you need prayer. If you need encouragement, if you want to meet Christ for the first time, if you need healing, please come. They'll be up here in the wings. May the Lord bless you and keep you. God bless you guys.